Good morning. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church. We're glad to see you all here this morning. Won't you join me with the call to worship? Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. Thank you. We do have a few announcements printed in the bulletin, but I'd like to bring your attention to a couple of things that is coming up pretty quickly. Um, next week, September 13th, we do have a congregational meeting. You know, these things really are important to the life of our church, and hopefully that we will all be able to attend and contribute. Uh, also, next Sunday at 4 p.m., the Simpsons are going to hold a little goodbye for the Stewarts who have been here visiting with us for several months now. We hope that everybody will be able to attend. Uh, is there anything else that people want to mention? I will say, yeah, Paul. Also, the women's group will meet Tuesday morning at, is it at 10.30, Alice? Yes. Here at the church. Bring a sandwich. We'll have lunch after we have our meeting. Uh, I think that's about it for the news of the church for right now. Thank you.
May our Lord's abiding presence among us this morning. The Lord be with you. Our God of glory, at your command, the thundering skies fall silent and the hills sing out with joy. Open our hearts to your word and our lips to proclaim the good news of Christ Jesus, in whose holy name we pray and rejoice this day, together saying, Amen. are back to our very beginning. This is the eighth day of creation, the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice in silence for a moment as we listen to our maker and what he might say to us. So be still. Be as relaxed as you can be. Breathe. And listen for the silence of God.
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. You know, my friends, it is only by the power of God that we are able to stand against evil. So trusting in God's grace, let us confess together our sins. Merciful God, we confess that we have not followed your way. You call us to seek justice, yet we abuse and ignore the poor. You call us to show mercy, yet we turn away from those in need. Forgive us, God of grace. Give us the wisdom and courage to abandon our places of privilege and to show our faith in action. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I invite you to enter in again into the silence with God and offer up your own prayer of confession. God will receive your prayer and your forgiveness is assured. Let us keep silence. Join me as we conclude our prayer. Friends, stand firm in your faith. You are covered by the saving grace of God, who makes you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, know this, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Standing in forgiveness, I invite you to extend the same forgiveness to your brothers and sisters in Christ by sharing Christ's peace. The peace of our Lord be with you all. Let us be at peace with one another.
I'm looking for the prayer book. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, you've got it marked here. Oh, is it there? Yeah, I just didn't see it. <laughs> Let us hear the prayer of illumination. I'm having trouble reading this morning. You laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They shall perish, but you shall endure. You are always the same, and your years will never end. You made us in your image, and called us to be your people, but we turned from you, leaving sin and death to reign. Still you loved us and sought us, in Christ, your grace defeated death and opened the way to eternal life. That was our first reading, wasn't it, Carrie? Mm -hmm. Wasn't that our first reading? No, our first reading does come from Genesis. But it's Genesis 1. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'll go on to that. This is the word of God to us. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have domination over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day.
our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of John. This will be a familiar text to you. It's from John chapter 3, and Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus at night. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If, you, if I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. A few years ago, about this time of year, there was an ad on television that ran. It showed this um, dad character pushing a shopping cart through a store, followed uh, rather closely behind by two very sulky, morose-looking children. And there was background music, and I'm going to do my best. I brought home asthma with me, so I'm going to blame my voice on, on that today. Anyway, background music. It's the most wonderful time. It wasn't Christmas. It was back to school. And it is indeed a wonderful time of the year for very many people. Um, when I was a little girl, I loved getting ready to go back to school. It was what I was really good at. And I loved going back to school shopping with my mom. And to this day, I still love how fresh pencils smell and a new box of crayon smells when you open it. I, I loved school supplies. And then later, as I became a young mother of two very rambunctious little boys, I was very, very glad when Labor Day weekend rolled around and I could kick them, I mean, take them to school on Tuesday morning. <laughs> so whether you loved school or didn't like school so much or whether those days are so far in your past or in your memory that you just don't care anymore, you will remember this that the start of the school year is a very important milestone for the whole community, for the whole city, indeed for the whole nation. So this year I know you will join me in prayer for students and teachers and administrators for schools across the globe that this year is a very good beginning and it leads to a very good end of term sometime next late spring or early summer. You know, both of our sacred scripture texts this morning speak of new beginnings, our very first new beginning that we learn of in Genesis and the new beginning we have through Jesus Christ, who is the only one born to us from heaven. And if we were to hold on to these two sacred texts, we would and, and didn't learn anything else, we would probably think that the very good beginning has led to some very good days since then. But we may have a different story to tell and a different story to respond to today. You know, 
In the very, very, very beginning of Genesis, we have learned that God created every single thing. Think about it, every stone, every speck of dust, every plant, every tree, every bird, every clam, every everything. If you can name it, God thought of it first. And I bet you can't name everything that God has already given names to. God has planned and created everything. And then God created people. And and the biological processes for people to keep creating people. And then somewhere in God's mysterious, infinite wisdom and love, God very carefully endowed each human being with something we call free will. Now, God did this because God wanted human beings to choose to love God for no other reason than God is. And God did not want to compel that love. Do you understand? God did not want to force any one of you to love God. So God gave each of us the free will to choose to love God. I want you to try to imagine the complexity of this. Of course, God is powerful enough to do everything, anything. But it is a pretty complex situation to say, I'm going to create this person in such a way that this person can love me whether I say love me or not. Humans don't often tend to love this way, do we? We don't often tend to love God or love another just because the other is. We tend to love people for what that love returns to us. It's become kind of a transactional proposition, a quid pro quo, if you will. I will love you if you love me first or do something for me first. Philosophers have names for these kinds of love. Philosophers often do. The first you may have heard of, it's the love that we call philia or brotherly love. We get the name of the city Philadelphia from that. I think of it as the golden rule kind of love. I'm going to love another person because that's the way I want to be treated. But do you hear embedded in this golden rule kind of love? There's an expectation for something to come back to you. I'm not going to love you because just because of who you are. I'm going to love you because of what you can do for me and what I, and what I want. And then there's this very non-Presbyterian kind of love that we call eros, erotic love. See, it sounds kind of strange in our sanctuary. But erotic love is the love we have for someone we usually regard as a spouse or the person we want to be our spouse. And there is most definitely an expectation for some sort of regard to be given in return. Both of those ways of loving are good ways of loving. God gave them to us, but they are not selfless. We put ourselves in that mix. But finally, there is the love that Jesus teaches, agape. This is a completely selfless love that Jesus, that all three persons of God have loved the world with. This completely unsurpassed love 
I love you because you are you. I don't love you because you can do something for me. I love you because you are you. This is the love that is shared so deeply between the three persons of the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit love each other for each other and no other reason. And we know this from Scripture, that nothing is superior to this kind of love. Jesus teaches us that there is no greater love than to choose to love another person because that other person is. There is no greater love than to lay aside your own self for another, even to give up your life. It is to love because the other exists. And because God loves us with this unsurpassed love, God has given us free will to choose to love God in return that way and to choose to love other people in that way. And embedded in this free will is the power of self-determination, which is given to all human beings at creation. With our free will comes the ability to choose for ourselves about our own lives. And free will and self-determination look like this in God's plan. You've heard this before. Free will and self-determination look like this in God's plan. To love the Lord, to love yourself, and to love your neighbor without equivocation. It's a Trinitarian love fest in the image of the holy God. Free will and self-determination find fulfillment and perfection in the life and death of Jesus Christ, who chose to love his father without question, who chose to love his neighbors, that is, you and, and me, without question, who followed the Holy Spirit in obedience and a free choice of love to take up the cross and die for the sake of you. There is no greater love, and it has been given to each and every human person in creation. It is the perfection of God's love for the world. What I've described is the love that transforms the world, isn't it? The power that transforms from what was until what is the Trinitarian love fest, this whole full-throated love for God, love for neighbor, love for ourselves. And it can only mean one thing. This is the one thing that comes from that love, is that each of us, once we make the choice to love, also make the choice to uphold the free will and self-determination of other people. That's unsurpassed love. Now, the hard part, uh, hard part of today's story. This summer, free will and the self-determination of human beings is under the greatest attack that I have ever seen. That's my opinion. Individuals, social groups, political groups, nations, regions, regimes across the globe have elevated their own choices. Their own choices over the free will and determination of other people. 
This is the zero-sum game of, of global politics. I will elevate and protect myself, but I can only do so at your expense. The others to whom we treat. No, that's not right. The others whom are left, who are left aside. The others who we choose as people of power to leave aside this summer have a name. We call them migrants, we call them immigrants, and we call them refugees. And they are people on the move. And in today's understanding, they are on the move away from something else. And the something else is always, always, always some power that has taken away their free will and their self-determination. Do you hear? Taken away the innate gifts that God has given. People who are in power who do not choose to love these migrants, the immigrants, the refugees, have made their choices at the life and death expense of the migrants. Choosing not to love them snuffs out everything that is human about these human beings whom God created. Such is the world today, really, friends. The others, the migrants, of, are compelled by physical force, by physical force to serve evil regimes, or they are compelled by physical force and kept out of the places we would rather not have them be by ungenerous and fearful people who have vilified in word and by deed the image of God in other humans. And that's not love. It's not even hate. It is the destruction of what is human. The humanity that God created from our very good beginning and endowed with the ability to love without question. In America, we are right now deeply in the recurring cycle of what we like to call the election season. People are frustrated. We've heard that in the news, haven't we? All over the news. And um, candidates' messages are now resonating with the public. People are frustrated and angry for more reasons than I can name. In my view, the feelings are often the result of being compelled to serve a cause or an individual, or a group, or a political belief that has effectively removed your free will and ability to choose for yourself. Our God-given instincts to love without question have been taken away, or at least they are being squashed. So what, what happens in the fallout? I think we're being pandered to. Think about this season. I believe that our anger and our frustration is being ginned up, so to speak, and we choose or permit others to choose for us. And what they have choose, what many have chosen are the nameless and faceless migrants, refugees, and immigrants. They're easy to blame. So we hear this sort of rhetoric in the news. Well, we got to build a wall. We got to make everybody speak English. 
Heaven forbid anybody should come to this nation because they want to be here because we're free. Um, for goodness sakes, don't have any babies here. Keep out is what I hear. Keep out. The people who want to be here, the people who are on the move, away from something evil, away from people and places who have chosen not to love them, in fact, who have chosen to destroy them, have found themselves on the borders of another place that may seek to do the same. And that is not the love that God gave us. I'm sorry for the rant, but this is not the way God intended us to be. We were not created to behave this way. What's wrong? Do we have any love left for anyone? Has the loving power and mercy of Christ's church disappeared? Is there no room for people of faith to let loose the Trinitarian love fest, to love God, love neighbor, and love ourselves? Is there no room for us anymore? I know you. You are good and loving people. You would no more harm somebody than step on your own toe, for goodness sakes. We're the church. This is why we are here, to step into this place as it is right now, this world that is, that is actively squashing the free will choices of other people to just live. It's not love. This is not a good beginning the way God intended. It is time for the people of the church to rise up. And to remember that the other, the migrant, the refugee, the illegal immigrant, these people are not nameless or faceless. God knows who they are. Their families know who they are, and we as the church ought to know who they are too. I think this week of the names and faces of the 71 people who were trapped in an airless truck and found on the side of the road in Austria, dead and decomposed almost beyond identification purposes. Someone took away their free will to choose for themselves. I think of that little boy. You saw that picture. That little boy cradled in that Turkish Coast Guardsman's arms. His brother and mother were killed on that boat when it overturned. They were trying to find a place to exercise their free will. We have the power to overturn this. We are the church endowed by Christ. And Christ, through Christ, we were created in love. We have the power to transform what is a monstrous world into something that is magnificent. So I, in, in, a, in an ineloquent way, I am imploring you today to choose love. To choose that love that surpasses all others. To put concern for yourself aside for the day, the rest of your life even, and to rise up. Rise up as the church 
and engage this selfless love that has no peer. And do this on behalf of a God who gave us a very good beginning and has in mind for us a a very good new life that we enjoyed just now through Jesus Christ. You know, in just a few moments, we're going to gather at this table at where the Lord of love, Jesus Christ himself, is host, and we will take the bread that is the sacrifice, his loving sacrifice of his body, and we will share the cup that is the loving cup of forgiveness that was given for us, both of these elements of this meal of love, both of these given to us for no other reason that we may love God and love ourselves and love neighbor. When you come to this table today, may it be the demonstration of your loving pledge to the world that you as a member of Christ's church will rise up. Rise up so that others who cannot might be lifted. Rise up in love. In the name of our most glorious and loving God, amen.
please. I invite now the ushers to come forward to receive the gifts that we bring on behalf of Christ's church and for the sake of Christ's unsurpassed love for the world. May what we do today in word and in deed be found pleasing in God's sight. I invite the ushers to come forward. Almighty God, you are indeed the Lord of love, the Lord of creation, the giver of our very good beginning. With the gifts that we bring in your name today, may we be reminded once again what it is to love the other. Teach us, lead us, we pray, and receive our gifts May they be delightful in your eyes. Multiply them, please, Lord, 
for the sake of your church and its rising in the world. In your name we pray all things together saying, Amen. Please be seated. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. According to Luke, people will come from north and south and from east and west to sit at table in the kingdom of God. And again, according to Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took the bread, he blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. This is indeed the Lord's table, and our Savior invites all who trust in him to share the feast that he has prepared. 
We will receive communion this morning, celebrate and share this holy meal by intention. That means you'll be invited to come down either aisle and take a piece of bread and dip it into the cup as we share this feast of the Lord of love. We sing our responses to the prayer and they are noted in your bulletin. Now, though, please join me in the great prayer of thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Blessed are you, O Lord our God. You came with power to judge and save us, destroying the works of the wicked and delivering the poor from their distress. Blessed is Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Jesus fed the hungry, cast out demons, healed the sick, liberated the oppressed, and extended your grace to all people. We give you thanks that the Lord Jesus, on the night before he died, took bread, and after giving thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the cup of the new covenant of forgiveness, sealed in my blood for you. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. In remembrance of Christ, we also pray for the world and every one in it. Today, especially, we pray for Marina and Carl and John. This church. Hmm. We pray for all who search for you. and grace we offer ourselves to you freely with gratitude as we share this joyful feast. Mm-hmm. 
Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon this bread and this cup. Make us truly one in the body and blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord of love. Teach us to truly love our neighbors, honoring the equality of each person and tending to the basic human needs of everyone. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, in the unity of the Spirit, we bless you, O God of glory, now and forever. As our Savior in heaven still teaches his followers to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite the serving officers to please come forward. forward and receive this great meal. <clears throat> Kathy, this is the cup of salvation.
God of abundance. May the bread of life and the cup of salvation be truly food for our journey of love throughout this world. In you we have our very good beginning, a beginning that shall not end. Feed us, love us, guide us, most holy Lord of love. In your perfect name we pray. Amen. Friends, leave this place in peace. Choose today the love that surpasses all other love. Choose today to rise up in love for the sake of the other whose name you do not even know. And take this blessing with you. May the love of God, the creator of all of life, and the grace and peace of Jesus the Christ who shows us the way to life, and the communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit who will sustain us in life. May this be with you as you go this day and all days. And let the people of the church say, Amen.
anybody who will come to say goodbye to our friends. Thanks, Mel.